You might right now be living for world and for pleasure and for money and for all the fame of men. And you might make the, I want to serve those things. But the Lord can take those things right out of your life, and he can subdue you that you will truly serve the Master. And to those who have terrible addictions, the addictions of alcoholism, drugs, and various noxious things that destroy lives, surely the Lord has the power to take those things away and subdue men through the power of the gospel. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. We continue on the theme of a king for a day, the Lord Jesus riding into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey. We also have our segment, Don't Miss the Cross. There is need for confession and cleansing from sin. And I trust that the Lord will draw you to personal saving faith in the death of Christ, in the blood that was shed for our salvation. And so today, go to the cross, and may the Lord in grace minister to your heart. And Christ is indeed the ruler of the world, and by ruling the hearts of men, he builds his church. He moves his will and his work forward. And so there was the taking of the donkey, but there was also the taming of the colt. And in Luke 19, we're told that it was the colt which the Lord rode upon, a colt on which man had never sat. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever tried to ride a donkey. To ride a donkey is tricky business at the best of times. But to ride an untrained, unused, unridden donkey, a young one, you need to be very brave. You need to be willing for all kinds of antics and all kinds of rejection. But the amazing thing is that this animal was subdued, that the Lord rode upon it all the way, all that distance, right into the city of Jerusalem, even in the midst of the crowds and the multitudes, in the midst of the praises, Hosanna to the Son of David. And you know, the Lord can tame. He can tame the wildest beast. He shut the lion's mouth for Daniel, and he can tame the wildest heart. And there may be someone in your orbit that is not a Christian, not saved, and you would say that person is a rebel to God, has no intention of ever yielding to the Lord, well, don't forget that the Lord commands and he rules everywhere. And the Lord can subdue the rebellion of man's heart, even your heart if you're not a Christian. You're wondering, how could I ever be saved? How could I ever be changed? If you accept Christ as your Savior, he will change you. He will take the lust out of your heart, and he will put in your heart the love of the Savior, and you will delight to serve him and to live for him. The Lord also can take worldliness out of your heart. You might right now be living for world and 
for pleasure and for money and for all the fame of men. And you might make the, I want to serve those things. But the Lord can take those things right out of your life, and he can subdue you that you will truly serve the master. And to those who have terrible addictions, the addictions of alcoholism, drugs, and various noxious things that destroy lives, surely the Lord has the power to take those things away and subdue men through the power of the gospel. And if you're here today and you want to be changed, you want to be delivered from the wicked things of this world, there is one who can do it. His name is Jesus. Who is this? He is the ruler and the commander of men. And if you turn your heart to him, he will change your life and he will work in power within you. The next thing here that we learn is that he is worthy worthy of those praises, the hosannas that were sung unto him, because he is the true Savior. You see, hosanna means save now. Save now. That's what hosanna means. Save now. And as the Lord was riding that donkey, that little colt, right down the roadway into Jerusalem, they put their clothes and the palm leaves on the roadway, and they sang their praises Save now. Was it true that he is a worthy Savior? These words are taken from Psalm 118, and you can look them up sometime, and you will discover there that tucked away in the midst of that psalm, and it was a psalm of the, the people ascending to Jerusalem. And they sang this song, Hosanna, save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Was this true? Absolutely. And fulfilled before the eyes of these people was the Messiah, the hope of Israel, the Redeemer of his people, now entering into the city of Jerusalem. I want you to get your eyes on the Lord Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. He is the true Savior who has the power to save now, and he can work in your heart as well. Now, how many knew he is the promised Savior and the Redeemer of his people? He's the fulfillment of every type and every picture of the Redeemer in the Old Testament. And here he comes in this specially designed manner, this specified manner in the Old Testament. And as he rides on that colt, the foal of a donkey, already prophesied by Zechariah, how many of those people knew what they were praising him for? We wonder that question. Save now. Save now. And the Lord was very conscious that that week he was going to lay down his life, and he was going to give himself for the salvation of his people. Now, look at verse 8 and 9, and we'll answer the question, how many knew? I want you to notice there were multitudes who entered into this singing. 
says in verse 8, and a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. And then again, verse 9, and the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. How many knew? Hundreds, hundreds, a growing multitude of people joined in to sing, Hosanna, save now. But here's the next question. How long did it last? How long did it last? I wonder how many of those people who on that day when the Lord entered the city on that colt shouted Hosanna to the Son of David were later that week standing outside Pilate's gate shouting, Crucify him, crucify him. The twist and the turns, the treachery of that week turned many to seek his blood rather than to seek his blessing. And there are many who hear the gospel, who hear that he is the true Savior, but they walk away and they twist and they turn and they deny the very one that they formerly priest. It's a very sad thing when people grow up in a gospel church. They hear the gospel over and over and over and may rejoice in it for a time, and then they turn their back on the very Savior whom they perhaps once professed. Jerusalem sinners were the most guilty sinners in all the world because many of them knew that this was the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. And yet, due to the pressures and the hostilities of some, they fled, and they left our Lord to the cruel will of some that crucified him. I ask you today, don't join that crowd. Stand up for Jesus. Stand up for the Lord Jesus today. Give your heart to him. Be loyal to him. Never deny him, but rather yield your all to him today and accept him and say, yes, Lord, save me now. Save me now. That ought to be your cry, and then be faithful to him forever. The fourth thing that we discover in this answering this question, who is this? He is the sin-hating judge, the sin-hating judge. Let's move down to verse 12. And you'll see that as he entered into the city, he entered into the temple, and Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. We need to describe the scene here in this larger court of the city of Jerusalem right in the court of the temple, uh, the city that was thronged. Hour by hour, there were droves of people coming into the city, going to the temple, and their quest was to find sacrifices that they would offer on the Passover. And of course, the lamb would be uh, the, uh, the market ticket of the day. These merchants that had gathered in that court They weren't there to worship. They were there for wealth. 
They were there to make themselves rich, and they were turning the things of God into merchandise. And of course, the Lord, he moved as judge, and he chased them right out of that place. Now, we could not worship one who was not jealous of the worship of God. We could not fall at the feet of one called Jesus and call him our Savior if he had joined in and tolerated these merchants and who had turned the things of God into sacrilege. But we have one here who is judge and who does not tolerate sin and the desecration of worship. He is the judge of men. And just as that day he judged, one day Christ shall be the judge of all the earth. And you will stand at the white throne of judgment before him to give account. And the one who is the all-seeing, all-knowing, the one who entered that Jerusalem with the praises of men, and then rejected, how shall men stand before him who have denied the Savior and rejected him? Now we know today that in heaven the saints in glory, they sing praise to the Lamb, not just for his salvation, but for judging the beast, judging the woman, judging the devil, judging the wicked, and for gathering in the suffering saints unto the Lord. And so he is worthy. He is worthy of our praises. And if you don't count him worthy to bow the knee, one day you will bow in shame. You will not call him Hosanna. You will not sing his salvation, but rather you will cry in dread of his damnation and condemnation. And so today, bow the knee, bow the knee to Christ, and see that he is the all-worthy judge. The fifth and final one here today is that he is worthy because of he is the all-compassionate friend. In the midst of all this praise and this commotion, even driving out those merchants out of the courtyard of the temple, you will see in verse 14 that he had an ear for the, the blind and for the lame. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. You'll notice here that none were ever turned away. They came to him, but none was turned away. And right there in the midst of all these events, the Lord had a heart, the mind, and the power to heal the blind and the lame. And of course, right there, the Lord was the friend of all in need. You'll see also that he was the friend of the little children. And in verse 15, the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were sore displeased. They couldn't take this praise to the Lord. But Jesus said unto them, 
unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, Thou hast perfected praise. Let the people of God doubly appreciate the little children, the weak, the vulnerable, the needy, and those that can sing the praise of the Lord. Let there always be room in Christ's church for the little children, because the Lord Jesus is the compassionate friend, and he comes through in this case to bless them and to stand up for them. Allow me to read you this story of a minister and his care for little children. In a meeting, the minister invited the little children to come to Jesus. But I am too little, said one of the children afterwards. Too little for what, my dear? He kindly asked. Timidly, the little girl answered, Am I too little to come to Jesus? Moved by the children's question, the servant of Christ took her up in his arms, saying, No, my dear, not too little. It was to very little ones that Jesus said, Suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. The dear child wiped her tears and went to her mother, telling her that she had come to Jesus and that she was saved. How glad was the mother to hear her child confess her simple faith in the Lord. The next day, she brought another little girl to the meeting, saying, She wants to be saved too. You too, dear children, are welcome to the Savior. He longs to have you come. He will make you happy in his love. Then you can tell others of him, just as this little girl did. We have a Savior who is mighty, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-controlling. He can rule the hardest heart of man. He is the Lord who is filled with compassion. He heals the blind. He cures the lame. And he receives the faintest cry of the littlest child. This is our Lord Jesus. This is our Savior. Do you know him today? Have you trusted him? If he has interest in a little child, will he not hear the adults cry too? Have you called on him to save you? Have you given your heart to him? Or are you one of those who sung his praises, then reject him? Do not do that, but come, trust in him, believe in him, and he will save your soul. Now when the meeting's over and others are going out, and you would like to talk with me about salvation, I would just ask you to sit where you are in the seat, and I'll come and talk with you. And if I can help you, pointing you from the scriptures, how you can be saved, we can do that together at the close of the service. There's a sweet and blessed story of the Christ who came from glory just to rescue thee from sin and misery. In loving kindness 
sadness to the heights of joy and gladness, Jesus lifted me in mercy full and free. With his precious blood he bought me when I knew him, but he sought me and in love divine he ransomed me. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale. This is our segment on Don't Miss the Cross. You miss the cross if you are not led to personal confession of sin. There are two parts to a sinner making right use of the cross work of Christ. Firstly, you need to confess your sin. And secondly, to seek cleansing in the blood of Jesus. You may hear of the cross and be impressed with all the love of God, to send his Son for the salvation of sinners. And yet, until you personally confess your own sin and pray to be cleansed through the blood of Jesus from your sin, you miss the blessing of Calvary, and you have no salvation. Many people have baptism, church membership, and a whole lot of religion, but never have cried out in desperation for the salvation of their souls. They have never pleaded the cleansing power of Jesus' blood, and therefore are not saved from their sin. The Bible is very emphatic on this. When you read Psalm 51, you learn how King David was cleansed from the guilt of his sin. Over and over you hear the agonizing cry of confession and the appeal to the cleansing and washing power of Jesus' blood for his soul. Listen to David's confession of his sin and watch for his appeal for cleansing as I read here in Psalm 51. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. This was the means by which that great king, who sinned so terribly, even to commit adultery and murder, was given pardon and peace in his soul. He was duly rescued from guilt and restored to fellowship with God by confession and cleansing. Hear also the words of the Apostle John in his first letter. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So, in order to make a use of the death of Christ and the victory of his cross work for sinners, you need to confess your own sin and seek cleansing from your sin. Then you are promised forgiveness and fellowship with God. But to deny your sin or cover it up will only lead to further and greater condemnation. And so I trust that today that you will run to that fountain filled with blood and be washed from your sins. Let me quote to you the words of this wonderful hymn, Nothing But the Blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And the stanza too, for my cleansing this I see. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon this my plea. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus. This is the hope of the Christian. We know that we are washed and cleansed when we look to the cross and say, Thank you, Lord, for shedding your blood to wash away my sins. Come into my heart, cleanse me. That's the prayer of the sinner that appreciates the cross of Christ. And I plead with you today to Call on the Lord to save you from your sin. Do not just hear, do not just listen, but go on your knees and call on the Lord to save you from your sin. And may the Lord in grace write these words on your heart. If I can be of personal help, be sure to give me a call or send me an email or come along to our church. All the announcements now are coming up. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca. CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale.
We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187-9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway, on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak.